Hi, everybody. This is Norman with your daily podcast, We Go For It, sharing stories and observations for the boldly aspiring. This is our final episode of Season 2, Season 2, The Underdogs, Episode 18, The Romanticism of the Underdog, Should We Embrace It or Not? You know, when we talk about the underdog, it seems that we have a natural tendency to pull for the or to root for the person who is considered an underdog, and they acquire romantic or mythical status. We don't have to go very far to come up with examples. We've got Rocky Balboa, Frodo and Sam. For those of you old enough to remember or to have heard about it, and who like baseball, you've got the Miracle Mets of 1969. Going more realistic and more into, um, how could I say, lives that whose achievements had really huge significance for a lot of people. We've got Nelson Mandela, Thurgood Marshall, Victor Frankl. Look up those three, check out their lives, and you'll see a whole bunch of underdogs right there. Going a bit lighter, Indiana Jones versus the Third Reich, and just about any rapper that makes it in the big time. You see, I don't think that it's the fact that they were underdogs that we're applauding, but I believe that what we're really applauding is the fact that they stepped out and tried. And, you know, I've heard it said, and in my own little world, my own little corner of the game board where I've been an underdog for whatever reason, uh, aspiring towards certain things. You see, the the actual being of an underdog is anything but romantic, especially that whole idea of trying. And, you know, some people have said that the romantic tale is only romantic in the retelling. And in actual fact, it can be very messy and unglamorous and inglorious. And there's one example that I think of, or that immediately comes to mind when I say that, and that's the life of Nelson Mandela. This was a man who spent 28 years in prison, and who, by the way, had been sentenced to, had had come close, excuse me, to being sentenced to death, to being executed. He spent 28 years in prison on a life sentence. So when he went in, back in the 1960s, he was supposed to stay there for life. Now, that is a beautiful, romantic, compelling story in the retelling and how he overcame adversity and he actually was instrumental in ending apartheid in South Africa. But if you go, you know, day to day where the real victories take place, right there in the dark, on the ground, face-to-face with whatever it is you're dealing with, what did a day in his life on Robben Island really look like? Well, it was pretty rough, you know. Um, They spent hours upon hours sitting in a lime quarry, you know, just beating on rocks in the hot sun for hours and hours, days on end, to the point that the glare from being outside so much in the sun, it permanently damaged his eyesight. And, you know, we could say, of course, and we, and of course, it's quite clear that Mandela's underdog status, it was handled with dignity and class and perseverance and courage. 
uh, just to name a few qualities. However, I would bet that if given the choice, he would have preferred not to have gone through all that if by doing so he could have still achieved the same result and become who he became in the process. I would bet that. I don't think anybody would welcome that ordeal that he went through in order to get where he wanted to go. If there, if there had been an easier way or a less painful way, as a human, he might have. I think he might have chosen it unless he felt that the painful way would have served his purpose better. That we don't know. You know, there's a funny story that I always, I always think about whenever I see, you know, successful people and they're jet-setting around, living the, the, the fat life, etc., etc. And I remember David Lee Roth, uh, the lead singer of Van Halen. And one time, as the story goes, he was asked by his assistant, so Dave, do you always fly first class? That's when he was already somebody. And he, he paused and he looked at her and said, Honey, let me tell you about before first class. And, and and he laughs about it and tells the stories. And when you think about what, like any like any up and coming rock band back in the seventies, I mean, they toured incessantly. They never stopped. The story of Van Halen touring twenty eight cities in England in twenty eight days, constantly on the bus, grinding it out, preparing relentlessly, getting ready for the next show, writing songs in the process because they owed another album to the record company, etc., etc. Those, that's anything but romantic. It's a, it's a grueling, grueling process in order to get to first class. Now, why do we go through all that? You know, I mean, I don't think it's just to live the underdog status unless you're some kind, I don't know, unless you enjoy being in that position and being a victim. What I do believe is that most of the time it was a response to circumstance and a very stubborn response to that. You see, all these people that we've talked about in our, you know, fictitious or real, in our story, they all had a strong desire to achieve something. And, you know, I like to say to live something. And they weren't going to be denied, no matter how deeply encrusted at the bottom they were, uh, such as in Mandela's case. You know, it doesn't get much lower than that. Being, it didn't matter, though. He had something he needed to live. He had something he needed to see done. And you did it. And he did it. You see, underdog, an underdog is not an objective. It is merely a passing. It's a natural state. And it's potentially ugly and messy and scary. And it seems that when we're talking about the vast majority of cases, it's inevitable but what do I mean by that? You see, if you take an example where we have poor or inadequate circumstances to start with, you know, what we really want is, even for a, a moment, is to sit at the top of that proverbial hill, whatever it is we're shooting for. And so, you see, you the circumstances, the current circumstances are are inadequate. They are not what you want. They are inferior. They are also an obstacle holding you back. And so, you know, the moment you pull yourself up out of the circumstance and you begin to aspire towards something more, well, then most likely, and for a certain period of time, you're going to, and here's the key word, you're going to experience the underdog status. And it's simply a natural part of the process. 
you don't know how to get to where you want to go. One of the people I used to listen a lot to, a gentleman by the name of John Canary, who worked with Bob Proctor, said, you know, if you know how to reach a goal, then it's not a goal. You know, goals are things, you know, meaningful goals, the big ones. I'm not talking about sub-goals. I'm not talking about the realistic steps. What am I doing today? What am I doing tomorrow? Am I achieving those? No, the big ones, the big fat goals, okay? And in order to, if, if you have, if you know how to get there, then it's not a goal. So, you know, goals by nature are going to be things we aspire to and that we don't really know how to get there. And if that's the case, well, then it is inevitable that we are going to pass through a period of underdog status. You see, the real issue is not the status. The real issue is, what are you going to do about it? And I'm reminded as we come to the close of this final episode of season two of one of my favorite, I don't know, quotes, you could call it. It's an anonymous quote written at the base camp of Mount Everest, and it goes like this. Go, climb the treasure mountain. Do not return empty-handed. Where are you now? And there you go. Thank you very much for indulging indulging me with your time and with your attention as we've gone through these 18 episodes of season two of The Underdogs. And I look forward to sharing season three. We have a new season coming up. We're going to launch it in a few days. And it's about treating ourselves well. I look forward to sharing new ideas with you, getting your feedback, and also getting a few people on for some interviews. Take great care, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.